Cultured Hollywood for Smart People for Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. Holy shit, it's December 10th. Uh, Wowza. Uh, I'm Nico, I'm your host. Talking movies, television, music, and so much more in a way that smart people can enjoy them. It's December 10th. Christmas is right around the corner. 2019 is coming to an end. I'm 24. What's happening? It's time for some existential dread on your Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Buckle in. Uh, Look, I'm sorry. It's been a while. Uh, Two weeks ago, I took this podcast off to celebrate Thanksgiving. And then last week, I took this podcast off because I'm a bum. So here it is. Three weeks later, we're getting back to cultured talking Hollywood in a way that smart people can enjoy it. Uh, should we just do it? <laughs> Let's just get into it because I really want to stop thinking about the fact that it's December 10th. We're 15 days away from Christmas, 21 days away from the end of the year. Actually, 21 days away from the end of the decade. I'm going to be 25 next year, folks, and I'm uh, single, unemployed, and living at home. Uh, stop! Nico, knock it off. There's important business to attend to. Please, enough of your quarter-life crises. Uh, I have a segment to debut. Uh, And there's some music that goes along with it. Here it is. If it'll play. Fucking YouTube. It is time for Decision... 2020 Oscar edition Come on, we don't talk politics on this show. Get out of here, Rachel Maddow. Please. We're talking about the Oscar race. The most important race of 2020. The race for best picture. Yes, Oscar season is now in full swing. Get used to it, people, because between now and February, this is the only shit I'm going to be talking about. (laughs) Buckle up. We're going to begin with the Golden Globe nominations, which were just announced yesterday by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Never a perfect bellwether for the Academy Awards. I mean, the Golden Globes are kind of an imperfect process to begin with. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association is a mysterious body of about 90 members. No one knows who they are. No one knows what they do. But they seem to be easily persuaded by famous people and expensive luncheons. That's kind of the gist. They really like giving famous people shiny trophies. And they really like getting their rings kissed uh, during brunch. So, uh, cool, right? We watch it. Ricky Gervais is going to host Always a fun, alcohol-filled evening. In terms of the actual awards and the nominations, there are a number of question marks. And that is certainly the case this year if film Twitter is to be believed. It seems like people are pissed off about the Golden Globe nominations. I can't really figure out why, aside from the obvious reasons, which is that the Golden Globes always suck and award seasons suck. So, of course... You're going to be mad about certain snubs and omissions. Uh, But like this is no more abhorrent than usual, right? 
I mean, this is a pretty good list for what's been a very good year in movies. So, of course, certain demographic groups are underrepresented, and I'm sure that criticism will continue on for the foreseeable future. But what do y'all want out of the HFPA? You know what I'm saying? Like, they've let you down before, and they're going to continue to let you down as long as you expect this level of excellence out of them. Like, kids, daddy ain't showing up for your birthday. Let it go. All right? He's a deadbeat. The HFPA sucks. So as a whole, whatever. This is exactly what I was expecting, and uh, the Oscars are going to be about the same. Right? Deal with it. Let's go down this list. Oh, actually, before we do that, a few big picture things. Um, I think prior to Monday, there were... Let me see if I can count this. One, two, three, four. This is great radio, by the way. (laughs) One of my favorite things when I listen to sports talk radio is when, especially one mic radio, right? When the guy just sits there for 90 seconds counting things. Mike Francesa does it all the time. It's one of my favorite cliches, but I'm going to do that right now on podcast. Give me a second. Uh, Let's start again from one. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Okay. So there are, before Monday, prior to Monday, 16 movies vying for a Best Picture nomination. Best Picture has a maximum of 10 nominees it's probably going to be something like eight or nine but 16 films vying for those 10 slots uh after the golden globe nominations i think that number is down to 11 and maybe just 10 and we'll talk about each of those movies as we run down the list uh thought number two my oh my has netflix come to play my oh my, has Netflix figured out how to run an Oscar campaign? And by the way, they figured it out damn fast. It's only been about a year in the making, if you think about it, right? Last year was the first year Netflix legitimately contended for Best Picture. Um, and it sort of ended in disappointment for them. Roma was considered the front runner for a number of weeks and ends up losing Best Picture to Green Book. It wasn't a total shutout on Oscar night. Alfonso Cuaron still won Best Director. Um... But many suspect that Roma lost the big one because Oscar voters resented streaming media for killing the theater business. And so many prognosticators thought the same thing would happen this year. And I suppose that is possible. It is too soon to tell who's going to win Best Picture. But given these nominees, Netflix has not only as good a shot as anybody, but a better shot than anybody. They've gone from total outsiders to... Uh, earning a spot at the cool kids table to being the damn prom queen, right? They are the front runners of the 10 nominees in the best comedy, best drama categories at the Golden Globes. Four of those movies are Netflix productions. 40% come from Netflix. That's insane. That's obviously more than any other studio. They are dominating award season. And uh, as we talk about, who the front runners are, uh, it's all Netflix towards the top. So let's do this. Um, Rather than go category by category, I think I want to go movie by movie. I feel like that would be an easier way to conceptualize this Um, because there are exactly three types of award season movies this morning, right? There are the front runners 
whose frontrunner status was confirmed by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association yesterday. There are the fringe contenders who were pleasantly surprised by the Golden Globe nominations, but may not contend for Best Picture. And there are the pretenders who thought they would contend for Best Picture and thought they would have a legitimate chance in a number of Oscar categories, but were mostly shut out by the Golden Globes and now feel very discouraged. So there is great news for some movies, pleasantly surprising news for other movies, and disappointing news for that third group. And we're going to talk about all three of those groups uh, in a list of about uh, 18 movies. So here we go. First, let's talk Irishman. Adam Hall and I just did a podcast about it on Movie Hopping. Go listen to that in your podcast feeds. Nominated for Best Drama, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor twice over with Al Pacino and Joe Pesci, and Best Adapted Screenplay. The notable omission here... Robert De Niro, not up for best actor in a drama, probably the biggest snub uh, in the entire list. I gotta believe he's still going to be nominated for best actor at the Oscars, but now I am a bit suspicious. Uh, This was considered a lock a few weeks ago. De Niro has a major part in The Irishman, and I think he's clearly the third best performer in the movie, Pesci and Pacino uh, steal basically every scene they're in, especially Pesci. I think Pesci should win Best Supporting Actor, and I don't think it should even be close. But De Niro is in mostly every scene of that movie. He carries that thing, and it's three and a half hours long, and it's an epic, and Robert De Niro is very famous and has been given many shiny trophies in the past. So this is a bit suspect. I do question the Best Actor race now, and it does feel like It's a two-horse race. We'll get to that category in a second. De Niro no longer a contender in the Best Actor category, although he'll probably earn a nomination still. Uh, Irishman is your Oscar frontrunner. Not only did it get five nominations at the Golden Globes, just won uh, two major critical awards over the weekend. The New York Film Circle and the National Board of Review both gave it Best Picture, picked up uh, an AFI award, Their top 10 movies of the year were just released this week. It's Scorsese. It's a mob movie. Old people love it. Young people love it. This is your front runner for best picture. Will it win? I don't know. But if I had to put money on it now, this is the safe bet. Uh, More good news for Marriage Story. Another Netflix movie. A movie that I would also consider a front runner probably second in the race to Best Picture. Uh, Marriage Story takes home the most Golden Globe nominations. Best Drama, Best Screenplay for Noah Baumbach, Best Actor for Adam Driver, Best Actress for Scarlett Johansson, Best Supporting Actress for Laura Dern, and Best Score, which was nice to see. The great Randy Newman taking home the nomination there. Another Netflix movie. Another movie that people are watching and people are memeing. And people seem to be loving. Uh, Adam and I are going to talk about it on the Movie Hall of Fame this week, so I won't give away my specific thoughts. We're not only talking Marriage Story, we're talking the entire career of Noah Baumbach on that podcast. Uh, But I will say just briefly that I loved it and that it deserves all the awards in the world. And I am so very, very happy that Noah Baumbach is at the forefront of the Oscar conversation this year. My God, 2019 is such a fun movie year. 
I cannot get enough of this. Uh, a little suspect, Bombach did not earn a nomination for Best Director. It's more of a feat of screenwriting than it is direction. So it's not particularly shocking that he didn't get a nomination there. Uh, you kind of have to get a Best Director nomination to contend for Best Picture. Generally. I mean, that's not always the case, but you at least have to be in the field. Uh, so who knows what that means for its best picture chances. I would have given him a nomination because it's actually an underrated act of direction, in my opinion. Uh, but it got an AFI award. It's been doing very well with critics over the last few weeks. Marriage Story, I would say your second front runner at the Oscars. And then you have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is the third front runner, could easily be the second as well. Uh, earns a nomination for Best Comedy, Best Director, Best Actor for Leo, Best Supporting Actor for Brad Pitt, and Best Screenplay. Of course, Director and Screenplay both go to QT, Quentin Tarantino, who I believe just won an award from the National Board of Review, I think. I think they gave him Best Director. Uh... Also took home an AFI award this weekend. Again, your three front runners, two of them Netflix movies. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to do very, very well. Doesn't seem like there's any Once Upon a Time fatigue, which is nice to see. Sometimes a movie comes out too early. Critics forget about it. Oscar voters forget about it. They give it a few pity nominations and they give it no awards. Uh, this was a July, August summer movie still fresh in Oscar voter minds. And the nice thing, too, is that it's out on DVD and video rental, so you can re-watch this movie several times if you so choose, and it can only grow in appreciation. At least that's what happened with me. I've seen this movie twice. I want to see it a third time so bad. I, I may do that over the weekend. Uh, I just fucking love this movie. It's my favorite of the year so far. I don't think anything's going to pass it. Uh... There are your three frontrunners. If one of those three movies does not win Best Picture, I will be fairly shocked. Now, here's the next category. Fringe, contenders, some of them were completely invisible a few months ago. Now they are at the forefront of the Oscar conversation after a number of surprise nominations. I include on this list The Two Popes, which earned a nomination in the drama category, actor category, supporting actor category, and screenplay category. Here we go again. Yet another Netflix movie. Didn't earn any love from the American Film Institute. Did not earn a lot of love from the National Board Review, New York Film Circle. Critics, I guess, are not into this movie, but industry insiders are. And that's because industry insiders and Oscar voters and HFPA members are very old. And they love Anthony Hopkins and they love Jonathan Price. And evidently, this is a good movie for old people starring Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price. I would be very surprised if it didn't earn an Oscar nomination. I feel like the momentum is just starting to build for it. Uh, the movie comes out, I believe, Christmas Day on Netflix. We will see how it does. Uh, I think it should be very proud of itself after the Golden Globe nominations were announced. Do not sleep on the two popes. I don't think it's going to win many awards at the Oscars, but nominations could get to double digits. Parasite takes home Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Best Foreign Language Film nominations. Parasite, a film from South Korea, not eligible 
for best drama or best comedy has to compete in the foreign language film category only. Uh, did take home a special AFI award. AFI does not uh, include foreign movies in their list of 10. So it's still got some love. It's this year's Roma. I think it's better than Roma. It's one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. Um, it's going to be tough, though. This movie has its work cut out for it. The foreign language barrier is going to be hard to overcome. I'm not saying it's not possible, but you saw this last year with Roma. Could not compete in the drama or comedy categories. So Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody had a month and a half of press. They had a month and a half of conversation. When you're left out of those major categories, when you don't rack up enough awards, the momentum starts to slow down. And although people really love this movie, clearly the Hollywood Foreign Press Association loves this movie. Not only did it get a director nomination, also got a screenplay nomination. No acting nominations, but still, this is a movie that is speaking to people uh, in a profound way, and it is making a sizable imprint on mainstream consciousness. No doubt about it. People like Parasite. No foreign language movie has ever won Best Picture, and there's a reason why. When you are ineligible for certain categories, when you are left out of the conversation for too long, it is hard to build serious momentum. I really like this movie. I would be delighted if it won Best Picture. I would be absolutely delighted, and I'm sure it will win Best Foreign Language Film. I don't think there's any competition there, Uh, but it's an uphill battle. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Parasite. I also have 1917 on this list of pleasant surprises. This movie has not come out yet. I think it's going limited in like two weeks, Christmas Day maybe, uh, and then wide in January. This is directed by Sam Mendes. The war movie shot in what appears to be a single take, the illusion of a single take, I should say. No cuts uh, whatsoever in this movie. Nominated for Best Drama, Best Director, and Best Score. Got an AFI award. Got nominations everywhere else. Feels like the biggest dark horse of the group. Feels like this movie, I think it was just shot this summer. So, people don't know a lot about this movie. It just started screening like two weeks ago. Right? It's been this this quietly under the radar hit that critics are going nuts about. It has a lot of things going for it. It's a war movie. It's technically proficient. It has beautiful cinematography. It is an achievement uh, of, 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 uh, of multiple facets. It's not just a well-written movie or a well-directed movie or a well-acted movie. It has all of the above. Movies like that do very well. See The Shape of Water. See La La Land. See Titanic, right? The Oscars are a body of many different professions, And uh, if you can lure in the actors and you can lure in the cinematographers and you can lure in the editors, uh, it's a recipe for success at the Academy Awards. 1917, I wouldn't be surprised if you wanted to put some money down, if you wanted some value in Vegas, you can do a lot worse than 1917. We'll see what that movie is. We just don't know enough about it yet. But the nominations at the Golden Globes certainly portend much success. Uh, I have Knives Out on this list of pleasant surprises. I don't think Lionsgate, who distributed this movie, had any idea how successful Knives Out would be. This was, I think, a shock to them. 
gets a nomination in Best uh, Comedy, Best Actor for Daniel Craig, and Best Actress for Ana de Armas. I have no idea who that is. Um, <laughs> I've not seen the movie yet. I hear it's phenomenal. Surprise hit of the season, for sure. Did well at the box office, doing well with critics, doing well at the award circuit. Ah, knives out. It wouldn't shock me. A Best Picture nomination would not shock me. It would have shocked me three weeks ago. Not anymore. Took home an AFI award as well. It's on that top 10 list. Uh, Knives Out, a huge winner here at the Golden Globes. I need to see that movie. You know what? Give me a week. I'll go see it. I'll get back to you. Let you know how much I love Knives Out. Because I'm sure I'll absolutely love it. I love Ryan Johnson. Rocket Man takes home a nomination in the best comedy slash musical category. As does Taron Edgerton in the best actor in a comedy musical. And uh, Best Original Song, also a nominee in this group. Uh, Aren't all the songs Elton John songs? I haven't seen the movie. I'm sorry, (laughs) y'all. I was just so sick of Bohemian Rhapsody. That's what it was. I know it's of no fault to Rocket Man, but I'm pretty sure Rocket Man was directed by the same guy that did cleanup work on Bohemian Rhapsody. They just look like the exact same movie, and I was not feeling it. I had such a sour taste in my mouth. But uh, apparently people saw it and people liked it. Nice showing at the Golden Globes. Didn't really get any nominations at the Critical Awards over the weekend. Did not earn an AFI award. Uh, I think this is the last we hear of Rocket Man during award season. The Golden Globes does this, right? Because they split up categories by drama and comedy... Uh, movies like this from earlier in the year can sneak in, especially in a year where there's not a lot of great comedy. So, uh, cool. I mean, I'll watch Rocket Man, I suppose. You should be very proud of yourselves. You're not winning jack shit, though. Uh, Dolomite is my name. Get some nominations. Best comedy and best actor for Eddie Murphy. Again, Netflix. They've learned how to campaign. Kamala Harris should have called Netflix up a few weeks ago. She'd still be in the race. Get Joe Biden on the phone. They got Dolomite is my name in the best comedy category. You know, I now have hope that Eddie Murphy can can get a nomination and best actor at the Oscars. Crazier things have happened. Now that De Niro has sort of fizzled out, not a lot of love for him. Over the last few weeks, absolutely, I could see Murphy sneaking in. He's going to be hosting SNL the week before Christmas. Do not count Eddie Murphy out. Dolomite is my name. Takes home two nominations at the Golden Globes. And uh, my final pleasant surprise, if you want to call it that, is Joker. Best drama, best director, and best actor, Joaquin Phoenix. Also made the list at the AFI Awards. Has not done great with critics over the last few weeks, although Joaquin has gotten some love. Here's my theory about Joker, a movie that I don't particularly care for anymore. First time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's cool. This movie's really pretty. I like when Joaquin does ballet routines in bathroom stalls. Like, that's fun. (laughs) Really enjoyed the allusions to King of Comedy. Had a good time in the theater. The more I thought about this movie, the thought the more I've realized how fucking stupid it is. And the worst part about Joker is that it's stupid, but it thinks it's smart. 
And that really annoys me. Um, here's the thing about Joker. And this is a, a lesson to all of us, particularly members of the entertainment press. Um, there are people in the world who think differently than you. <laughs> and these people affect things. So if you choose to ignore these people, these things will catch you off guard. This is true in your personal life. This is true in your professional life. This is even true on election night. So ignore these people at your own peril. But do not be surprised if Joker takes home four Golden Globes. Right? Is a very simple lesson, right? The media, for the most part, ignored Joker as an Oscar contender. They talked about Joker a lot. I mean, it did very well at the box office. It dominated the cultural conversation for two months. The entertainment press had no choice. They had to write think pieces about Joker. But they did not consider it a legitimate Oscar contender. They thought maybe Joaquin would win Best Actor. They thought for sure he would get a nomination at least. But they did not see a Todd Phillips nomination coming. They did not see a Best Picture nomination coming. They did not see a Best Original Score nomination coming. Uh, They just thought it was a stupid superhero movie. And they have been trained to discount stupid superhero movies. But here this movie is. It has a dedicated fan base. People that saw it seem to like it. If box office returns are to be believed... Uh, mainstream audiences responded very well. It is not a shock that Joker did not do well with critics over the last few weeks. National Board of Review didn't give it anything. New York film critics did not give it anything. Um, So that suggests a pretty stark divide amongst award season voters. In November and December, most of the major awards are given out by critical bodies. And in January, February, the power shifts to industry people people that actually make movies and it's groups like the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, which is much larger than say the New York film circle, which is much larger than the national board of review. So, you know, November, December, bunch of indie movies win awards, stuff that's a little younger, sleeker, cooler movies like uncut gems flourish this time of year. A 24 does very well. Studios like that. Right. Uh, because, you know, critics are often very pretentious and uh, do not tend to lean mainstream. Their instincts are very anti-mainstream. As the season goes along, though, the bodies get bigger. The voters become older. I think that's fair to say. They uh, don't see as many movies as critics do. They're too invested making movies. And something like Joker, which... Uh, was often scathed by critics can do very well a movie like joker which did very good business at the box office and that garnered a lot of cultural conversation and that was just seen by people and was proficient on many levels it's a beautifully shot movie uh the lead performance by joaquin is tremendous doesn't have a lot of big ideas doesn't have a ton to say but it certainly looks nice so You know, Joker's here. You know, the media missed this because the media misses a lot of things. It's not necessarily their fault, right? That's the world that they're living in and 
it's a tough business. Writing think pieces is a difficult business I would not wish on my worst enemy. But they miss shit like this. Joker is as legitimate an Oscar contender as any of these other movies on the list. Do not count out its chances. It is still here. It is still present. Uh, And we're going to see how it plays out in January and February. But would I be shocked if Joker won Best Drama? I don't think so. I don't think so. Obviously, it's going to be a lot to overcome the Irishman wave, but crazier things have happened. All right. Here's our final list. Fringe contenders that were looking forward to a big day when the Golden Globes were announced and that were left at the altar. Disappointed by either a lack of nominations, no nominations whatsoever for some of these movies. Let's talk about it. Richard Jewell, Clint Eastwood, yet to be released. Only one nomination in the Best Supporting Actress category for Kathy Bates. Did take home an AFI award, so that is significant. Still would not be shocked if it did well at the Oscars. People fucking love Clint, and especially the Academy. The Academy adores Clint Eastwood. Could be a sleeper in the way American Sniper was a few years ago, and that is only because of Clint's attachment. If there was any other director behind this movie, Richard Jewell is totally out of the Oscar conversation. But there's something about that guy, man. The Academy just fawns over him. By the way, I do want to say this real fast. Uh, I fucking hate that title. Richard Jewell is a terrible name for a movie. I'm just going to say it. Who's Richard Jewell? No one knows who this guy is. All right, don't name a movie after a guy if we don't know who the dude is. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to name your movie Gandhi, that's cool. I know who Gandhi is. Malcolm X? Yeah, I fucking know that guy. JFK? Sure. Like, (laughs) that's great. Like, Johnny Cash didn't get his movie named after him. Freddie Mercury didn't get his movie named after him. Call the movie The Atlanta Bomber. Just give it an innocuous title. Richard Jewell? Who is that guy? We don't we don't know his name. Imagine the balls on the screenwriter. You're going to name the movie after a guy we've never heard of. I hate that title. I, I maybe I'm being an idiot, I don't know. Maybe I'm totally off on this. Anyway, uh, Jojo Rabbit does take home a nomination in the Best Comedy category and Best Actor category for Roman Griffin Davis. Uh, good for you, kid. I don't know who you are. I haven't seen the movie yet. Also got an AFI award over the weekend. Uh, there was talk of this movie being a sleeper at the Oscars. I think the momentum has sort of died down for it. A decent showing at the Golden Globes. Uh, Taika Waititi does not take home a nomination for Best director i keep saying take home they haven't taken anything home it's just a name on a paper there's no trophy i'm sorry uh jojo rabbit may get a best picture nomination i i don't think it has any chance same thing with the farewell only one nomination for aquafina in the best actress category did take home an afi award this is uh, an example of a female directed movie getting the short end of the stick at the Golden Globes. You know, I never really believed in this movie. I haven't seen it yet. And I know people love it, and I'm sure I will like it as well. 
uh, came out at a weird time this year. It's a summer movie. A24 seems like a movie destined to do well at the Independent Spirit Awards, but not well at the Oscars. I I don't know. I I never felt the momentum in the way that a lot of prognosticators did. And I'm not totally shocked that it only earned one nomination. Uh, Again, I can't really speak to it because I haven't seen it yet. Same thing with Bombshell. Two nominations for Charlize Theron and Margot Robbie in the Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress categories. This was another movie that was expected to do better. It hasn't come out yet. Not many people have seen it. That hurts. Feels like, you know, September, October, November, that's when you want to be releasing your Oscar movies. Lately, you release these movies too late in the season and people overlook them. Especially with Netflix now just putting out these movies on a random weekend. It's really hard to break through. Uh, Bombshell, of course, the story of Roger Ailes and uh, his sexual harassment allegations at Fox News. Charlize Theron plays Megyn Kelly. I cannot get over how good that makeup looks in the trailer. It is scarily close to Megyn Kelly. Oh, my God. Just incredible makeup. If that doesn't win best makeup at the Oscars, what else can you do? I saw that trailer and I'm like, oh, Megyn Kelly has made the transition to acting. Good for her. NBC hasn't worked out. Now it's time to head to the silver screen. Bombshell. Are the Golden Globes sexist? Probably. Uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Only one nomination for Tom Hanks and Best Supporting Actor. No AFI Awards. People seem to like this movie, but uh, I think it's Oscar chances are pretty much nil. Same goes for Ford versus Ferrari. Only one nomination for Christian Bale in Best Actor in a Drama. Took Robert De Niro's spot. That is certainly surprising. So I guess that's a win for Ford versus Ferrari. But it also failed to take home an AFI award. Movie did well with audiences eh, kind of forgotten by critics and award season voters. I would not be shocked if it was left out of the Best Picture race. Uh, Uncut Gems, no AFI awards, no Golden Globe awards. It did win Best Director at the New York Film Circle. This is a clear example. We're talking about Joker before. Media loves this movie. The industry people just don't embrace it. It's an A24 movie. It has that independent credibility to it. It's directed by the Safdie brothers. They're young. They're hip. They're frenetic. They're stylish. It's a New York movie. The press loves New York And it's starring Adam Sandler in a dramatic role. It's about gambling. Uh, Look, it's a movie that I am destined to love. And I understand why many media members went crazy about it. I haven't seen it yet. But I imagine it's going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. There's no way I don't love this movie. But, like, old people just have a hard time embracing it. And that's okay. It's going to do very well with certain critical bodies. The Academy is going to mostly ignore it. I'm going to have to live with that. Cool. Cool. I'm all right. This movie is made for me. It's not made for you. And I'm okay maintaining ownership of it. You know what I'm saying? And then there's Little Women, which shockingly only took home one nomination at the Golden Globes. That's for Shersha. Shersha. Shersha Money Penny. Sersha Ronan, correct? I think I'm saying that right. Uh, did get some love at the Critical Awards, took home an AFI award as well, but uh, Greta Gerwig snubbed in the Best Director category 
And uh, the movie, not included in the list of best drama. Uh, you know, okay. Let's just, let's do this now. Here's my problem with uh, people getting mad about the lack of representation for women. Your complaints are not specific enough. You know what I mean? Like, you're allowed to complain. In fact, I support your right to complain about snubs. I am one of the worst offenders. I love bitching about snubs. But you got to be precise in your grievances. Give me names. Don't just defend all women directors in general. Do not stand up for womanhood at the Golden Globes. Give me fucking names. And I'll support you. And I'll agree or disagree. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when you say, no female directors, okay, which female director would you have nominated? And don't say you would have nominated them because you want a diverse group of nominees. Say you would have nominated them because they were one of the five best directors this year. You know what I mean? So, fine. You want to nominate Greta Gerwig. You want to nominate Claire Denis. You want to nominate Lulu Wang. You want to nominate Marielle Heller. Pick one. And tell me who you would take out. That's it. You know, don't stand for all of womanhood. Stand up for these specific women. So let's look at the list for best director, okay? Here here are the nominees. Best director motion picture at the Golden Globes. Bong Joon-ho. A surprise nomination. I think undoubtedly one of the five best directors this year. I could not possibly take him out. Sam Mendes, 1917. Haven't seen the movie yet. Feels like a technical achievement. Uh, award bodies go crazy for movies like that, especially in the best director category. Doesn't feel like Sam Mendes could lose his spot. Martin Scorsese, obviously. Quentin Tarantino, obviously. If you remove one of those two people, you are high. And then you have Todd Phillips for Joker. I'm with you. Let's take Todd Phillips out. But do you believe that Lulu Wang for The Farewell deserves to be in there over, say, Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story? Should Claire Denis be in there over Taika Waititi for Jojo Rabbit? Pick one. Pick one. This is my issue, right? We're not talking about these nominees specifically. We're not talking about the merit of Lulu Wang's work. We're not talking about the merit of Greta Gerwig's work. We're not speaking about them as individual accomplished directors that deserve recognition. We're talking about them as members of a larger group. And that's tribalism, bro. And I'm not a big fan of tribalism. You know, I don't like that a nomination for Greta Gerwig is a proxy win for Marielle Heller. That bothers me. You know? The best directors of the year all happen to be women. There should be five women nominated for best director. And that'd be great. But if that ain't the case this year, you shouldn't be shoehorning in an undeserving director because they fill some sort of quota. Because here's the thing, people. Oh, my God. (laughs) Am I sounding totally ignorant here? Fuck it. I've done this rant before. I'll do it many times over. Uh, (laughs) This ain't about the award shows. This is about opportunity. This is not about 
who gets the shiny trophy. It's about who gets the jobs in the first place. This was the problem during the Oscar So White campaign, and it's the problem now as we talk about gender parity in Hollywood. There aren't as many female directors as there are male directors, and we can argue about the reasons why, but the reason why they're not getting nominations at the Golden Globes is because they ain't getting hired for those jobs in the first place. All right, I'm done now. Uh, (laughs) I can't wait to watch Little Women, but it seems like its Oscar chances are slipping away. Such a shame. I love Greta Gerwig. I really do. I adore Greta Gerwig. Um, So there you go. A little social commentary for you. Lots of prognosticating. Some film review. Man, what a journey, huh? Okay, that's the Golden Globes. Oscar season is here. (laughs) If you're already exhausted, I don't blame you. But we've got three more months of this shit. So get used to it. Should I predict the the nominees now? Actually, no. You know what? I'll do that later. We we got plenty of time. Uh, But those are your Oscar hopefuls. And I think that will do it. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, more movie talk here on Cultured. Stick around. Movie trailers. I have four of them on the docket today. You know how much I love talking trailers. Let's just get right into it with a quick question. Um, When the fuck did everything become Stranger Things? When did this happen? When was this decision made and why was I not CC'd on the email? Seriously. Everything is Stranger Things now. I just imagine that the heads of Universal, Warner Brothers... Disney, Sony, they all got together one afternoon for their weekly Eyes Wide Shut party, you know? (laughs) They're in the Hollywood Hills. They're all wearing creepy masks. And before they got down to the nitty gritty, they just had a quick conversation. Uh, So guys, uh, from now on, we're only going to make Stranger Things. Cool? All right, great. Now blow me. What is this? Everything is Stranger Things. Everything. I know 80s nostalgia is hardly new. I get it. But man, I used to love watching E.T. And now I can't watch E.T. without thinking to myself, oh, what a cool E.T. reference in that insurance commercial last week. Oh. You know, (sighs) All right, here's what I'm talking about. Wonder Woman 1984. Who's interested in this? Besides Brie Larson, who I guess was crazy about it on Twitter this week. Who's interested in Wonder Woman 1984? I know people liked the original Wonder Woman and they liked it because of girl power, all that shit. But no, they also liked it because it was a compelling war movie, right? And it worked really well in that second act as a love story and also just as a pretty badass war movie. But that third act, really weak. That first act, kind of weak as well. The Amazonian shit, who cares? Uh, Greek god with lightning coming out of his fingertips, fuck it, who cares? So I want more of a war story in my Wonder Woman movies. I am sick of the fish out of water bullshit. I am sick of Gal Gadot and Chris Pine dancing to synth music from the 80s. The Cure and fucking 
I don't know. Your rhythmics. Enough. Enough. I'm sick of this era. And I'm especially sick of this era being explored in this way. There's got to be another take on an 80s movie. You know? There has to be a different point of view, a different visual template, a different soundtrack. There's got to be something that doesn't scream Stranger Things. I, you cannot convince me that every 80s kid grew up in the same environment, with the same cultural taste, with the same hairstyles, with the same clothing. Like, it's just so paint-by-numbers. The visual palette and the soundtrack, and the jokes, and the references, and the Reagan-era bullshit. Like, oh, I get it, man. I get it. Show me a different point of view. Show me an 80s kid that didn't play Dungeons & Dragons, and that didn't own Thriller, that didn't have a mullet. I wasn't even alive in the 1980s, and I feel like I know it better than 2019. Ugh. Wonder Woman 1984. Kristen Wiig's in there. Gal Gadot is back, deflecting bullets in slow motion. Chris Pine is alive for some reason. Pass, bro. I'll pass. Same goes for Ghostbusters 3. What the fuck is this piece of shit? What is going on in Ghostbusters Afterlife? Paul Rudd, Carrie Coon, and... (laughs) Can't make this shit up. The kid from Stranger Things. The kid from Stranger Things is literally the main character in this movie. Jason Reitman directs. Ivan Reitman, of course, his father, the original director of Ghostbusters. They're calling it Ghostbusters 3, which means it's a direct sequel to the first two movies. I suppose Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver and Dan Aykroyd are back. Uh, Couldn't care less about that. Uh, I don't know what Paul Rudd is doing in this movie. I guess, uh, you know, it's basically E.T. with the Ghostbusters car. And it's very sentimental. And it's very nostalgic. And there are shots of cornfields. And there are kids doing kid things. And it's set in a small town in Indiana. Or wherever it is. Uh, Again, you could not be trying any harder to mimic Stranger Things. And I just find this attempt to be shameless. This is ridiculous. What is happening here? And you know me and Ghostbusters. I, I, I have a very complicated relationship with that movie. I uh, believe that it sucks. And I am one of the few people on earth that are brave enough to say that. But, you know, the Ghostbusters sequel should not look like this. <laughs> the Ghostbusters sequel should not look like a Spielberg movie. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. You know? That's why I didn't hate the Ghostbusters remake as much as most people did. Although I don't like that series very much. What Paul Feig was going for there was karaoke, and it was uh, a cash grab, but it at least inhabited the spirit of that original movie. Like, this is pure nostalgia bait. This is like attempting to be dark and gritty and real. Ugh. The second I see the Ghostbusters car, the second I see uh, one of those vacuum cleaners with the stream at the end of it, I don't know what they're called. Sue me. Sorry. The second I see that, I'm like, really? 
You have the gall to play a dramatic piano score underneath this? You have the gall? You're making Ghostbusters. Get over yourselves. <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm boycotting that movie. No shot I'm seeing this movie. I don't care what you all say. In fairness, these next two movies have nothing to do with Stranger Things. Or at least I hope not. The first is Black Widow, which is a Marvel movie. That was my takeaway from that trailer. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, wow, this feels a lot like a Marvel movie. Because it is a Marvel movie. And it stars the woman from Marriage Story, looking as beautiful as ever. Uh, I, I am excited for Florence Pugh in that movie. I loved her in Midsommar, even though I hated the movie. Uh, she, she is a terrific young actress, and apparently she's great in Little Women as well. Yeah, the cast looks fun. Oh, actually, it does have something to do with Stranger Things, because David Harbour is in it. <laughs> I'm telling you, everything is Stranger Things. I'm so over that show. I mean, cool. Black Widow's getting a movie, finally. She's dead. She died in Avengers Endgame. Spoiler alert. So, uh, the stakes are going to be at an all-time low in this movie. But, you know, that's fine, I guess. Uh, Black Widow prequel. Should have been made five years ago. I guess that's my take. And now I see it, and I'm like, oh. Uh, this is like, uh, Captain Marvel again. (laughs) Cool. Next. Bring me your Thor movie. Bring me your Doctor Strange movie. Yeah? Black Widow. Whatever. Cool. I'll see it. Uh, And then, of course, No Time to Die released a trailer this week. The latest iteration in the Bond series. You know, I don't think we talk about this nearly enough. The James Bond franchise, specifically the Daniel Craig James Bond franchise, has been so polarizing. It has been incredibly hit or miss. And I think we think of these movies as a win. And we think of this series as being successful because it does very well at the box office. And I think most people agree Daniel Craig is really good as James Bond. And it also has two incredible franchise installments. Uh, Casino Royale, great movie. Skyfall, one of the best movies of the decade. Really, really good. And so the series gets a lot of credit. For its highs, but does not get a lot of shit for its lows. Quantum of Solace and Spectre are both not so great. Uh, Quantum of Solace especially, but Spectre, eh, that flew under the shitty radar as well. That didn't get nearly as much flack as it should have. So now it's back. Kerry Joji Fukunaga is directing. Daniel Craig says this is his final Bond movie. It will be a conclusion of some sort. Rami Malek plays the main villain. Christoph Waltz is back as Blofeld. Ray Fiennes is there. Uh, Jeffrey Wright is there. No time to die. I just think it's a coin flip. Like we, it, it's such a funny thing with this franchise. We have no reason to believe this movie's going to be good. And we have no reason to believe this movie's going to be bad. But I suspect it's going to be one or the other. I suspect I'm going to be horribly disappointed by it or enthralled by it. If this is a mediocre movie, I will be shocked. This franchise is incapable of being mediocre. You know? This franchise is incapable of being just okay. You either have Piers Brosnan and his shitty movies, you have Roger Moore and his shitty movies, or you have Goldfinger, or you have Skyfall. 
You have Dr. No. Um, I'll see it, man. Looks fun. Kerry Fukunaga, I, I wouldn't call him the uh, the most substantive director out there. He has a very distinct visual style, and True Detective Season 1 is really fun to look at. I don't think... Uh, uh, maybe that's not fair. I'm not sure he's a great director of great material. Let's put it that way. He knows how to stage an action sequence. And maybe that's all we need out of James Bond. The good news is Phoebe Waller-Bridge took a stab at this draft. And Scott Burns, who wrote The Laundromat and The Report this year, also wrote a draft of this movie. So some interesting directors in the writer's room that uh, can be very introspective and transgressive and are not afraid to play within the boundaries of the material and sometimes question the material and subvert the material. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. It's a James Bond movie. And although they are often thrilling and visually exciting, they don't necessarily push the boundaries of the genre all that much. Not that I need them to, right? Like James Bond killing bad guys and fucking beautiful women and drinking uh, the uh, martini shaken, not stirred. That's all I signed up for, right? We'll see. I like the trailer. I'm in. Count me in. No time to die. Sure. Cool. Let's do it. April 2020. That's going to do it for another edition of Cultured, I think, right? Do I have anything else? Oh, I was going to talk about Lizzo's ass at the Laker game, but I'm not going <laughs> to. I could be mean. I could make inappropriate jokes and uh, I could get canceled by social media but but I'll uh, I'll refrain for now Lizzo <laughs> just look up on Twitter Lizzo Laker game and uh you'll see what I'm talking about no commentary needed no podcast fodder necessary yeah that's it uh, that, that's all I want to do uh next week okay I'm going to announce this now cuz hopefully I'll be done with this project by next week I, I may not be but it's good to put it out in the world and then you can hold me to it, right? Next week, Decade in Review Week on TooManyThoughtsMedia.com. I have some written pieces coming to the website, recapping the best in movies, television, and music over the past 10 years. Adam Hall and I will be having a conversation of some form on the Movie Hall of Fame, recapping the past 10 years in film. And here on Cultured, I'm going to do a big end-of-decade extravaganza Again, talking about the best and sometimes the worst in movies, television, and music from uh, 2010 to 2019. That is coming. I hope you're there for it next week here on Cultured. And also, do watch the site because I think either around Monday or Tuesday, I'm going to publish some of those blog posts and I would really appreciate it if you read them because a lot of work is going into them and this is... uh, The most writing I think I've ever done in my life over the past two weeks or so. So uh, do uh, uh, your your man a solid and go to the site. Unlike a, I don't know, once every three day basis. I don't need you to be checking it every day. I do appreciate if you go to the site, toomanythoughtsmedia.com or tmt.media for short. That's where you can find all of my podcasts. So do check it out. But eh, once a week, I'll take once a week. 
I love you so very, very much. And come back here next week, won't you? Because then and only then do you and I get a chance to get culture! Bye-bye. <laughs>